Hello, and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast where we explore compelling themes and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris. And I'm Brittany. And this week, we're exploring the theme of responsibility in The Hunger Games. To start us off, we have a quote from Catching Fire. This quote comes from when Katniss and Peeta are on the victory tour. Katniss knows they are in trouble if rebellion continues to spread. And so this is what she says in an interview with Caesar Flickerman. I take a long pause before I answer, trying to collect my thoughts. This is the crucial moment where I either challenged the Capitol or went so crazy at the idea of losing PETA that I can't be held responsible for my actions. It seems to call for a big dramatic speech, but all I can get out is one almost inaudible sentence. I don't know, I just couldn't bear the thought of being without him. Which a lot of the audience in the Capitol liked. Mm -hmm. So like, oh, how sweet. Yeah, and, and but a th- lot of people didn't believe. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's it's very interesting because she is trying not to take responsibility for her actions, bring up this story, this narrative that does sell well in the capital, but doesn't sell well the same way outside the capital. And frankly, it plays into I think kind of gendered stereotypes and things like that too. Mm-hmm. That she can't be held responsible for what she did because she's a a girl also a young girl uh, and a girl I'm in just love. a girl in love exactly. a young, young ingenue <laughs> if you haven't seen the show crazy ex-girlfriend that's the theme song of of the second season yeah and it's yeah perfect for this, actually <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> and in a way katniss is trying to also not be responsible for a rebellion that sparked from her actions, both of the berries and I think even more importantly for Rue, but also just showing that the capital isn't infallible. And for her own sake and the sake of her family, she is trying to not be held responsible for those. She's trying not to be responsible for a larger rebellion, even if it's something that she is sympathetic towards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because on one hand, what she's saying is not why she did it. Mm -hmm. But to spark a rebellion is also not why she did it. Mm -hmm. They would attribute that to her and that she was defying the capital. But she was just like thinking on her feet, what is a way we can both get out of here alive? You know, it wasn't to defy the games as much as it was she didn't want him to die like he was going to die and she had it in the back you know she Mm -hmm. would would be the victor but who would be okay with that you know especially when the capital had lied to you Mm -hmm. uh, during the games about the rules and so yeah it's just it's interesting because people in the district see this as this brave act of rebellion which they can rally behind which is great and people in the capital are just like oh she was so in love you know whereas like really what she was doing she was just a human who was compassionate and like wasn't in love with Peter, but liked him as a person she felt yeah. some sense of responsibility to him and some attachment to him she would have done the same thing for Rue. She would. She probably. She, she maybe would have done the same thing for anyone. Yeah. I mean, 
Probably not somebody who was actively trying to kill her, but... But someone who she was in a truce with, who she thought mm-hmm. they would both be able to survive. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's interesting that it's how others are seeing her actions are at, at these extremes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first two books, she's just trying to survive. She's trying to make sure that she and those that she cares about survives. Mm-hmm. And by book two, it's it's moved away from her survival to Peta's survival. Mm-hmm. And it's not until book three that she starts exploring wider responsibility to the exactly. world. Because she's never been able to think that yeah. way. Because this is not the way she's raised. She's still a kid. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because both sides are wanting her to take responsibility for something that she didn't do. Yeah. And she has to decide how to play this. And that's a lot. It's why she's a 16 year old. Yeah, it's one of the reasons she's such a great protagonist is because she's not just a heroine. She's not just someone who is this paragon of virtue from the beginning, always doing what's right, always fighting for what she believes in. She's, Consequences be damned. Yeah, you know, she it's is like actually negotiating very difficult decisions and systems of oppression and how those are going to affect her personally and those she cares about, as well yeah. as the wider society. Which I think is like, even though I, I really respect when people are, are willing to sacrifice everything, including mm-hmm. people they love for the cause, at the same time, most people won't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Almost no one. It's one of the reasons. And so it's a human. It's a, it's a human character rather than some stereotyped role model character. Yeah. Or an orphaned character who doesn't have family to lose anymore so they can risk more or what have you. Like... But even, like, look at Hamish, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he even doesn't have yeah. anything to lose, really, but his own life. Yeah. Like, he's not doing that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so we should probably get into our analysis proper. Yeah, so what character do you have? I wanted to talk about Effie Trinket. Oh, very interesting. Who... It's a big, big day. <laughs> yeah. She's, I think, a great character. Also, her name is just so perfect for her character. <laughs> and for the first capital citizen that we meet as well, uh, and that we hear about, <laughs> just perfect, encapsulates everything about the capital. And and I think that she's an interesting character for many reasons, but especially through this theme, because her job, her responsibility, is for making the tributes of District 12 presentable, for ensuring that their place is on time, and that they're doing so according to the optics required by the capital for the games that Mm -hmm. this is something that is celebratory and fun and engaging and and entertaining and all these other kinds of things and and she is meant her her responsibility is to take these children who are put up for awful awful form of execution essentially Mm -hmm. and present them in this entertaining way and it's really intriguing seeing her begin to humanize her tributes as she goes through the books where she starts off and they're just this year's crop they're just who she has from district 12 from the least exciting district and she's got Hamish there as her partner even further hindering her work as she sees it but over time she begins to see them as people, see them as more than just the tributes, more than just her charges, but actually as Peta and Katniss. And I think particularly after they are victors, she starts to see them in a completely different way and is therefore herself 
really torn and emotional when they're sent back in for the quarter quell. Yeah, it's it's this really fascinating dynamic, particularly when she's put up against Hamish, who Hamish almost feels the opposite kind of responsibility that she does, which is responsibility to their tributes as people and not for what the capital wants. And thus, he can't live with himself mm-hmm. because he has doesn't have the power to really be able to help them, protect them. So he's self-destructive, so he drinks himself to death. So their dynamic is beyond just this kind of typical opposites, both having to work with the, the tributes kind of thing, but there's really, I think, a lot of depth in what they're responsible for, what they see as their responsibilities, and how they try to carry that out, and how that changes over time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because, in a way, she is kind of doing what Caesar Flickerman does to some degree. It's like, how do we pull the most intriguing, engaging, whatever, out of these people yeah. in a short amount of time? to give them the best chance slash to make things most entertaining. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I kind of wonder what sense of responsibility she feels. She's the one who has to pick the people who are going Mm. in to the arena. And you draw a name like Prim is her first year. And you see the child. And I don't, I don't know what you would do with it. And maybe there, she's so removed from it. There's so much prejudice against yeah. the district people that she does see them as less than human. I don't know, but yeah, it, it's it's definitely an interesting question. Of, of does she feel any sense of responsibility? Does it weigh on her? But even if it would, it would still weigh on her very differently than. It would Hamish because for her, it'd be like, oh, I couldn't help to do these things that would save one of the kids. But for him, it's like, oh, I couldn't do anything to help save my people, you yeah. know, people from my town. Yeah. And, and I wonder how much of it is, you know, there's certainly an element of a- anyone who participates in the games or who supports the games, at least subconsciously, does dehumanize the tributes and the people Mm -hmm. from the districts but i think there's an element of that that's also kind of buying into the narrative of the games are just celebratory the games are things that tributes want to participate in or that that doing so can bring glory and food to their their districts and and so wrapped up in the positivity that comes with that narrative for the capital, I wonder if Effie comes in and is genuinely excited for the idea of the of the games and being a part of them and expects the district to be so as well. And it, it takes time for her to recognize that that's not really the reality of what's going on. Well, and her being the escort for District 12, which has not had a victor mm-hmm. in... 24 years i'm sure even (laughs) whatever twisted sense of excitement she initially has she probably does not have anymore even if she's only been doing it for seven years or you know i'm not sure how long she's been doing it but she tries to to go about her job professionally Mm -hmm. even if still condoning a terrible system but um 
Yeah, she, she seems to be very committed to mm-hmm. her work and to doing her best. And I think there's a lot of reasons behind that. But it is ultimately, yeah, something that is so damaging and so awful that it's one of the, the few scenes from the movies that does actually stick out in my head is not only the reaping in the first movie, but the reaping in the second movie when Effie is visibly distraught mm-hmm. by what she has to do here. Yeah. Um, and in co- the comparing the two, I think, is very powerful in a way that, yeah, shows her journey as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I also kind of wonder, like, her being a woman, you know, as the escort, what mm-hmm. that would look like. Would there be certain expectations of comforting the distraught 12-year-old mm. going to their death because you're a woman, you're expected to do this, and Hamish clearly isn't doing it? No. <laughs> or would that not be something that's expected of her? Would that not be something she would ever do? I don't know. I can imagine all of the other games that she's had to do this for would have been incredibly different because Hamish just would have been drunk, not there, or vomiting, or whatever the thing is, and she's, like, the only one trying to hold things together. Mm -hmm. Whereas it it would be very interesting to see behind the scenes for those types of things and also juxtaposed to escorts of, uh, of other genders. Absolutely, yeah. But yeah, Effie Trinket, I think, is a really great character to bring for this topic. And just in general, like, that's the thing. You can't absolutely love her because she's still such a participant in all yeah. of these problematic things and doesn't get it, even at the end, is as much as she should. But you also can't hate her mm-hmm. because, yes, she's written very well. And if you watch the movies, which, yes, don't do everything superbly, but great portrayal oh, of yeah. that view. <laughs> so well done. <laughs> And I think a, a, a smart move narratively to have her take the place of the crew in the in Mockingjay. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like the Effie, you know, we, we as the readers go through the same process that she is going through with the tributes with her because she is represented as a caricature of the capital, a character that we don't see a lot of humanity in ourselves in the beginning of the series. And mm-hmm. the more that we see of her, the more we're able to humanize her existence and understand her. And again, not always agree with her, not always, you know, we can still condemn her actions and how she's supporting this awful, awful structure. She doesn't know how pearls are made. Or diamonds? Both, because she thinks <laughs> yes. pearls are made the way diamonds <laughs> are pole, made. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, understand how anything is made (laughs) but i think that uh she is yeah an intriguing character for many of those reasons but let's move into your plot point what did you want to talk about yeah so i wanted to talk about the ballad of songbirds and snakes and how these high school seniors at the academy are mentors and also responsible for solving the problem and that's in quotes of the Hunger Games, <laughs> of it not being entertaining enough, of people not wanting to watch it enough. These are 18, maybe 17-year-olds, some of them, and they're responsible for a lot. Yeah. And they've 
spend a little bit more of their lives with the Hunger Games in place than they have without the Hunger Games in place. And before that, they were in a war for however many years. And I kind of, I like the idea that they show that young people can come up with creative solutions, albeit for a twisted purpose. Mm -hmm. But I think to some degree it does show intelligence on Dr. Gall's part mm-hmm. of tasking young people with this because a lot of the adults I imagine in the capital I could see it going either way either they have too much compassion for kids or they would go too cruel mm-hmm. and it's also smart to try to find solutions for young people by young people because if the young people aren't interested in watching then you're going to continually have generations growing up and not watching and then it's worthless then the whole practice but then on top of it they throw on being a mentor and yeah that's just so much responsibility and i can only imagine that these teenagers would feel like they are responsible for life or death in these circumstances and that's not actually true. It's Dr. Gall, it's other leaders in the capital that are responsible for these deaths. But I can imagine people who aren't terrible, like Snow, would feel responsible if they had done better, if they had been able to get their tribute to do a better interview, if they had been able to get them food faster, or whatever the thing is, that they could have prevented that and that would impact these young people for the rest of their lives. I don't know whether that would turn out for some of them as guilt, others as maybe apathy or just checking out altogether or yeah maybe make them start seeing district people as as tools even Mm -hmm. more so. Like for Snow he just it's hard to know what was what (laughs) if he always would have been making terrible selfish choices with no compassion Mm -hmm. and only looking out for himself and just having no empathy for anyone else or if being a mentor in these games did actually help that along so yeah i just i think it's definitely an important plot point in that book and it's just to me kind of fitting because it's just so like adults to make a mess and then put the burden on the young people to try to make things functional I mean in case in this case making the games functional is a bad thing Mm -hmm. but like in general this is a trend we see in society and I think it's also interesting juxtaposed to what we see in the original trilogy because in Ballads of Songbirds and Snakes, Snow is held responsible for cheating. Mm-hmm. Whereas by Hamish's time, which is 40 years later, he's held responsible for using that axe and the force field yeah. in a way that's not intended. Like, he didn't even cheat, you know? He was just resourceful. But he is held responsible and other people in his life pay for it but snow is held responsible for cheating and not lucy gray at Mm -hmm. the time and even then he's held responsible and sent to summer summer camp basically um and then yeah given summer everything poverty tour is basically what he went on yeah but even that he's 
a peacekeeper, so he's still yeah. in a position of authority. But yeah, he still has a gun when he should not. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's very interesting. It, it reminds me of when I was in high school. We had similar kind of assignments of you know debate this important political issue and Mm -hmm. or we had one that was like you and this group of students you know say that you're on a desert island you have to create your own nation what are your first five laws you know and having to think about how we would create society or how we would change society in these big ways but how do you not turn into lord of the flies (laughs) right uh and that's probably one of the reasons why these are typically assignments that stick within the classroom walls you don't (laughs) actually go higher Uh, i guess the the one time it does is is you know i've been involved with model united nations for Mm -hmm. a long time originally as a participant but mostly as a teacher and often those conferences the resolutions the the papers that the students write as they're representing countries from around the world as possible solutions to global issues will be sent to UN bodies and agencies or officials and and things like that, which I think is interesting. I don't think that's ever actually impacted law, (laughs) but at least it's got an idea similar that like, oh, these young people can bring in new ideas. Their Mm -hmm. ideas are valuable and should be heard at the highest levels, even if that is something that is itself probably a mask and it's being read by an assistant's assistant, mm-hmm. not by anyone with actual I mean, power. and even if not, a lot of people who are the delegate from a particular country are not necessarily always looking out for the best interest of the citizens of that country. True. Now that you brought up Mali United Nations, I'm like, oh, gross. I was just complaining about snow. And then I was like, when I did it, I remember. Oh, no. What did you do? I didn't do anything terrible, but I remember, like, you you get to, like, act. You know, you get to pretend that you are a delegate from this country. You you learn about the three different issues that are being talked about in the committee you're in. And, yeah, I, I remember in the research I mean like I was a delegate from Egypt in that conference and I remember being like oh Egypt's not really doing anything hardly to combat human trafficking but then when someone was like when a different delegate was calling me out on it I was just like totally defensive just drew attention to the couple things that we had instituted you know mm-hmm. very self-satisfied in my performance in of that course, moment even though it's terrible and yeah. you see how it works yeah exactly like, it's it's accurate this is what can happen yeah when I was the Soviet Union in a historical committee about World War II we tried for the first two-thirds of, of it to ally with the Axis powers and not the allies. (laughs) Following history, like there was this this Nazi-Soviet pact, so we were kind of trying to follow along with that, and and we're like, what if we could go the whole war without going to war against Germany and Japan, our actual neighbors? Yeah. Um, But that that didn't end up working, unfortunately, for us. Um, And even now I'm saying, unfortunately for us. (laughs) 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 So yeah, it can can do weird things to you as a student. That's the problem, right? No one's lives were actually at risk, Snow. Totally, totally. (laughs) Anyways, we digress. We digress. It is frightening. It's also, I think, sobering to think that what that power would do to you at that age, if you actually, yeah, did have lives on the line in a way that made it so it wasn't just this fun thing you were doing in Las Vegas for the weekend, but something that was much more serious. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Although I will say, we have not painted Monoyland in very positive light. There are a lot of great things about it. And I think for both of us, it did make us more compassionate in global perspectives and like caring about what is happening in other countries instead of just your own. It, yeah, it is one yeah. of the most influential things I've been a part of in my entire life in mm -hmm. creating me into a more impassioned compassionate person yeah absolutely well should we go into our compelling questions <laughs> yeah let's do that <laughs> i was wondering using panem as an example to what extent can we hold or should we hold individuals responsible for oppressive systems and awful events like the hunger games we can a hundred percent hold no as an individual <laughs> responsible. Of course, of course. There are some individuals with outsized power, very easy to hold them responsible. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what the entire Songbirds and Snakes book was about. <laughs> um, but there's still so many other people to hold responsible. Like, mm -hmm. even if we're just looking at the top, people who are creating and maintaining these oppressive systems his father dean highbottom dr gall whatever the current president was at the time you know mm -hmm. and it, it's a hard question because i think anyone participating in these oppressive systems who are, are closer to the top they don't have to only be from the capital but mm -hmm. also the careers who are creating a culture of how they engage with the events that in some ways makes it more entertaining it plays into that even more and are hoarding the rewards that would be given out so that other districts continuously have less and less so i would hope that everyone would feel partially responsible but not responsible in a way of like you can take legal action against mm -hmm. but at least that's how i feel in our society i try in as many ways as i can to not participate in things that i think are wrong evil oppressive etc but i cannot escape from it and sometimes i choose not to just because it's like, oh, it is easier to buy hummus in a plastic container than it is for me to spend the energy to make it myself, even yeah. though hummus is not actually a hard thing to make. That's how, you know, like these are the types of... But you can take it further to grow the thing, the ingredients oh, you totally. need to make it yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's so many ways that this can... It, our systems are too complex to easily navigate around. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think I do feel partially, personally responsible for the terrible things in the world and the inequalities. And in so doing, I mean, I think that's why we, <laughs> we criticize the United States so much, uh, partially because that's the context we know best, yeah. partially because we've studied history and we understand how the United States has been at the forefront of so much exploitation and continuing inequalities or creating them out of nowhere. So yeah, I, I think the people with most power have more responsibility, but that does not mean that me as an individual American 
don't have any or absolved from responsibility in these problematic structures. And I think the same goes for Penem and the Hunger Games books. What do you think? Yeah, along similar lines, although it's hard for me, I think, when I am thinking about other people, you know, when I think about myself, for sure, that idea of personal responsibility, anything to make me feel guilty, I will just <laughs> rush towards and absolutely commit on. But for other people, you know, it's it's hard for me to think, okay, uh, you know, we were talking about Katniss before and how she, she was mostly focusing on surviving. Do I hold her responsible for the fact that she didn't help to stoke rebellion beforehand? Mm-hmm. Didn't do more with her position? Didn't risk more? It's, it's hard with her, too, because she suddenly had a lot of power mm-hmm. and a huge platform. Yeah. But she never had it before. And, and she didn't seek it. And she's 16. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but any tribute, you know, are are they responsible for killing one another? You know, is a capital citizen yes-ish. Yeah, you know. Partially. Exactly. Like, yes, they're responsible for killing, but also everyone in power is also responsible for that killing. Yeah, yeah. Because you could just let someone kill you instead of killing, right? Yeah. And so I, I think this is one of the things that, that comes with ideas of, of privilege, where privilege is not just being able to exist in the world without the detriments that come to those who don't share that privilege, whether that be being profiled, being assaulted, etc. But that privilege also, when it means you have more power, like you said, there is increased responsibility to with utilize power that power. Becomes becomes with great power comes great responsibility yeah exactly spider-man gets it a little bit of power comes a little bit of responsibility (laughs) just as epic of a quote Mm -hmm. yeah that was actually what uncle ben was trying to say but you know peter parker can't stay in one place for any for too long so just (laughs) zoomed on out of there so yeah I, i think it's 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 hard because we talk so much about these books showing the these systems of inequalities but it's always done through a personal lens and i can't fault many of the characters for the choices that they make outside of people like yeah a snow or a coin or or what have you even if i think that that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be held responsible for the negative repercussions of those actions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but what is your compelling question for me So my question is, where do you see responsibility being, in your view, appropriately or inappropriately used, taken, forced, shirked? Interesting. The first thing that comes to mind is when Katniss and PETA are in District 11 during the Victory Tour. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about Rue, but especially when they're talking about Thresh, how... Thresh died after sparing Katniss, Mm -hmm. um, which he did for Rue. The kind of, uh, yeah, really complicated ideas of of what is owed, what responsibilities exist for the victors when they're facing the families of those who died. And one Mm -hmm. of them, at least, was at best arrival. Yeah. And PETA choosing to give a portion of their winnings to those both of those families i think is a really great example of how he is showing that there is a sense of responsibility for someone who did something that was not expected that was not 
in their own interest and recognizing that and recognizing the power of that and doing what Peta and Katniss can to to act in response. Mm-hmm. And that Thrush was partially responsible for them winning. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's the first thing that comes to mind for sure. Also, Katniss making it so that Coin must take responsibility for the well-being of the tributes. Mm. And and doing so publicly. Yeah. Um, as a way of it's not a requirement for her to become the Mockingjay essentially saying yeah you you and your people need to take responsibility for people who have been victimized by the capital even if they are themselves responsible for yeah killing other other tributes and maybe doing propos that help the capital or whatever it might be mm-hmm. they're themselves victims they are themselves their their agency is limited by what the capital is threatening them with or or forcing them to do however they can yeah it's easy for you district 13 people to judge them for the decisions they're making but you've been out of the hunger Mm -hmm. games for 75 years yeah and not only to judge them but to do so in a in a political way in a way that is meant to yeah garner more support for what they see as their cause despite whether it's right or wrong or, or complicated or nuanced. It's just an easy narrative to sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What were you thinking? Yeah, I was also thinking about the Victory Tours. I feel like it is an attempt by the capital to try to make the victor, or in this case, victors, have responsibility for what happened in the games to all of the other districts, rather than... I mean, why would the capital want to take any responsibility? They don't. This is why they parade them around in all of these expensive clothes made by designers. It's so that people will hate them. You know, and I'm sure it doesn't work on everyone. I'm Mm -hmm. sure a lot of them see the victors as victims of of this terrible system as well. But if that victor killed your kid or your sibling or cousin or friend you know it would be affecting to see them in front of you being celebrated and yeah it's disgusting and manipulative and exactly what the capital would do yeah essentially (laughs) i was also thinking about katniss how sadly inappropriate for her as an 11 year old kid to have to take responsibility of feeding her family taking care of her younger sister who was probably seven her having to take care of her her as an 11 year old kid having to like go out into the wilderness alone and like hunt animals and and take any potential risks of getting in trouble for it or anything it's so inappropriate yet it's it's so admirable for her to do it and and pull the whole family out of starvation and death absolutely and and i mean there are unfortunately so many people who do have to experience that as children Mm -hmm. in our society as well yeah but yeah such a i think an essential part of why katniss is the person she is and why she wouldn't just feel like oh yeah i can stoke the flames of this rebellion it's like 
for all of these years, she has had predominantly one thing on her mind. How do I make sure me, my sister, my mother survive? Yeah. And how do I take care of them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very insightful. But I also think it's interesting because I think there's a lot of times she takes responsibility when it isn't her responsibility. She feels like she has killed all of these different people. Mm. Sinna, Prim. I can at least see a little bit more with Finnick why she would feel that. Even though he knew, he knows her, and he followed her anyway, right? He did make choices, but she did put other people in dangerous positions. And it it wasn't necessary. But Sinna, he was the one with the power. Mm Mm-hmm. Yet she still feels this guilt till probably the end. Um, And her dreams, people that she feels responsible for them dying, uh, visit her. I can understand why she feels it, but I'm also like, no, Katniss. (laughs) Yeah. And oftentimes the people who actually killed that person was someone else. And even if you Mm -hmm. killed that person, oftentimes it was in a situation where you were forced into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I can also see why, as we were talking about, people have, even if it's very marginal responsibility, where mm-hmm. she could feel, like, look back and be like, if I had not tried to quiet the rebellion, maybe everything could have happened faster, and then maybe mm-hmm. this wouldn't have happened to Prim, or maybe this, you know, yeah. I-, I could understand how it would feel that way. Definitely. Absolutely. And lastly, we don't need to talk about it, but we just need to say that snow shirks all of his responsibility of just being like i didn't do this there's nothing i could do i had no choice <laughs> yeah seriously even in his internal monologue oh, he, he takes absolutely. no responsibility for anything <laughs> yeah. even in the way he kills people he doesn't take any responsibility even when he, he's president dictator he can do whatever he wanted True. Oh, such a weak sadly powerful man <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely but should we go into our missed opportunities sure my missed opportunity is that i want to see what legal responsibility is tried to be taken after the games what trials exist mm-hmm. what forms of reconciliation exist uh you know the the post-apartheid truth and reconciliation committee in south africa i think is is a truly remarkable mm-hmm. way of trying to heal after a long history of divisiveness and oppression. Yeah, where the people who are were oppressed were just so gracious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like unfathomably gracious. Yeah. And 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 yeah, I just think is is an amazing thing to see and not what I necessarily would expect from Panem, <laughs> considering that the the one conversation that we do see is them being like, should we have another Hunger Games? <laughs> Sounds good to me. (laughs) I mean, it did mention that there were different trials, right? Because after she kills Coin, she's held for quite a while until she's acquitted. Right. And so that's what that's what I'm curious about. I want to see those trials. I want to see those trials and also the trials of those who are in the capital. Does Effie Trinket have a trial? The one jury duty you'd actually want to fill. I've always kind of wanted to do jury duty. (laughs) Of course you have. (laughs) I mean, like, if it was a criminal trial, mm-hmm. I just, I would never feel like I could vote to 
put someone in prison unless, you know. It's overwhelming evidence. Overwhelming evidence. And it's something I actually think is a crime. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Of course. Because Uh, a lot of things I'm just like, oh no, you stole the bag of chips. Target can't take the hit. I would probably be similar. This is why neither of us will ever get on a jury. (laughs) They wouldn't want either of us. (laughs) No. (laughs) But, uh... Yeah, just just seeing more of that process and, and, and hopefully seeing at least currents of that kind of reconciliation existing, you know, that would give me hope. But Oh Chris. How cute. You. What's your missed opportunity? <laughs> so mine is just like I really wonder about Hamish's interaction with feelings of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Because when we meet him, he has checked out of trying to help anyone win. And I I don't know if that's because he knows that there are no winners of the games. That even if you win, your life could potentially be worse. You know, you you don't know. At the very least, you're going to have to deal with trauma for the rest of your life. Mm Which she'll then be reminded of every year. Oh, absolutely. So I don't know if like him not helping, him disengaging from it is part of his way of not being a part of this system that is so terrible and tragic. Or if it's just he tried for a bit and he just can't care anymore. Yeah. But then as soon as there was a chance, he was willing to take all of the risks to try to bring the system down and so yeah he's just i i would love to know more about what was going on in his head when he was making certain choices or what happened in the 24 years between when he won the games and when he meets katniss and Peeta. yeah i just i think he's a complicated character and i know that there's so much complexity that we just it's all beneath the surface so we don't know it yeah the the haymitch chapter of the short story anthology that <laughs> Suzanne Collins would write in my dreams would uh <laughs> should write yeah would be like a stream of consciousness type of writing where we actually see yeah his thoughts and see how when they get too much he feels the need to turn to alcohol just to numb it because he doesn't have another coping mechanism but he's also yeah struggling with how can he help these people when they're in this position that he knows is hopeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be that would be really powerful. Yeah, Suzanne Collins, if you're listening, this is what we want. And also... Email us. That, and also, write as many books as you can <laughs> <laughs> during the rest of your life. Yes, yes. You don't need a break. You don't need to do other things. You probably don't have a bathtub full of money that you've made from the Hunger Games that you could just... Hang out in. Just a bathtub full. <laughs> Just a bathtub full. Let's <laughs> see how big the bathtub that's was. That's where all people who have a successful book franchise keep their money. Absolutely, a bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't we move into our takeaways from this episode? Okay. What is yours? You know what was great? When PETA took responsibility for his oh, feelings. You can, no! <laughs> No, shutting you down. <laughs> no, actually. We didn't even talk about that. <laughs> That's 
Chris's life takeaway. <laughs> no, my takeaway is actually based off of something that you brought up during our compelling questions, where You're you welcome. mentioned how the Biology of Songbirds and Snakes kind of shows how snow does have so much responsibility for the games. And, you know, you can go back to our miniseries and see how much I, I liked that book. But hearing you say that has made me, I think, reevaluate some aspects of it because when thinking about it through this lens of responsibility, it does kind of hold a narrative that puts a very small number of people as responsible for the Hunger Games as we come to know it. Where it's Snow, it's Dr. Gall, it's to a lesser extent Dean Highbottom. It's not a socially created or societally created event. It's not something that, that has real shared responsibility with the rest of the capital. And the capital citizens ultimately become patsies themselves. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know how I feel about that as an allegory for society because there are people in our society that do have outsized power and have helped to maintain systems that are oppressive um, in ways that are, you know, you can very directly point to them and their responsibility. Trump. <laughs> yeah, a good example. But there are also, I think, yeah, larger currents of what groups of people have done explicitly, consciously that have been oppressive and destructive. And I just don't think that we see as much of that here because we're focused so much on the games as they are created by Snow and this other, this small group. It's interesting that you say that because I don't necessarily agree. I think the games as we come to know them, yes, but he is not responsible for the inequalities in Panem. Mm-hmm. Those already existed, which is why there was the war to begin with. True. Right? Because the capital held so much power and exploited all of the districts. The districts were divided up in that way after climate, nuclear, and whatever other disasters happened, right? So I would say that it was all of these people who came before them he is one of the privileged people who inherited that system in a way that benefited him and the benefits that he got from it his top level education his sense of entitlement Mm -hmm. and status all of these different things that positioned him uniquely to be able to have more influence over the games and then thus be more responsible for parts of how the games evolved and and were maintained but i think all of the people who came before that created and maintained those inequalities which you know since this is future united states is us now right Mm -hmm. they're more responsible for the eventual creation of the system of the hunger games because of the aftermath of the war and what happened in it for sure and and i i do think that's true I still just, yeah, I think, for example, studying the rise of fascist dictators, something that has been really powerful for me more recently is is not studying what those fascist dictators did, what political maneuverings they did to get into power, but what were these social systems that supported their rise and that they, you know, were, were moving through and that not only supported their rise, but then benefited from and continued to support them after their rise and as they're becoming more and more violent and aggressive and, and things like that. And and those are things that 
you know, I, I think it's it's hard for me to always see that those parallels with if we think about Snow's kind of rise uh, in the same way. But you're you're absolutely right that the fact that this inequality is long existing just makes me want to know more about Pan Am. Thanks, Suzanne Collins. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> What's your takeaway? I don't know. I don't have any conclusive takeaway. I think I'm just filled with more wonderment of if anyone else had won the 74th Hunger Games, how would they have felt about it or interacted with it? You know, I just, I have a lot of wonderings. Yeah. Like, what if Rue won? I mean, I don't think Fox Fix would have believed the whole star-crossed lovers thing, Mm -hmm. but maybe Rue would have, and and what, what, what would she have felt like? Katniss helped her and she helped Katniss, you know? And it, I just wonder about all of these things and I wonder how many other tributes have, have had allies and, and felt some level of responsibility that they were the only one to make it out. And, you know, so many questions. Sounds like we need to take a trip to some fan fiction archives. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, what will we be discussing next week? We are returning to Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra, and we are going to be looking at the series through the theme of trust. I trust we'll have good conversations. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. You can find links to our social media or our website in the episode description, and you can join us at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That helps us to keep the show sustainable and also gets you access to extra goodies. We had a lot of bloopers this episode, and if you want to listen to them, (laughs) you should become a supporter. (laughs) Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Until then, geek out! out.